Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 107, Oh No, You Did Not Train People How to Treat You. It's March 30th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and so on. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Mostovich. Oh no, you did not train people how to treat you. No, you did not train people to treat you badly, abuse you, be cruel or mean. And this statement that I'm making, that you did not train people how to treat you, goes against conventional statements and quote-unquote popular belief. I'm well aware of that. I am, however going to be making what I believe is a rock-solid case for my position that you did not train people how to treat you. And this is a very uh, important and significant topic because we need to be truthful with people, and it's not truthful to say that you trained people to treat you badly. So let's go, let's get going, let's dive in. If you're new to my content, I hope that you will visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway. Next, this is my disclaimer. Nothing that I say in my podcast, in my written content on my website, or my YouTube videos, or my books, or in any form, is intended to be medical or therapy advice. I am not a licensed therapist. I'm not a licensed healthcare provider in any capacity. And nothing I say is intended to be medical or therapy advice. If you are listening to this podcast and you are feeling deeply depressed, suicidal, if you are feeling like your life is not worth living and you don't matter, I am asking you to stop and make a phone call and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to talk about how you're feeling. I'm asking you to tell people. I'm asking you to reach out and take the help that's available because there is an awful lot of help available for you. So please do that for me. My next piece is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I do have transcripts for all of my podcasts on the rss.com platform. They will appear very shortly after a podcast is uploaded and live. And what I want you to know is that my podcast transcripts will ultimately also be loaded onto my website. We're working out the kinks for that. I actually thought that had been done, but I was mistaken. And the other thing for the deaf and hard of hearing community is I am working diligently to 
improve my speaking, to speak more clearly, to pronunciate my words more clearly, so that the end result is a better transcript for you. I beg your indulgence and your forgiveness and your compassion. I am working to improve. So let, let us just get into this topic. Well, first of all, so the topic is, oh no, you did not train people how to treat you. And I'm going to tell you right up front that this topic makes me furious. It makes me angry. It is deeply troubling and upsetting to me because it is harmful to others. It is an injustice and it is flat out, in my opinion, you did not train people how to treat you. But what is going on in the world and has been for however long is we have podcasts, we have credentialed speakers, we have TikTok videos and Facebook real videos and memes saying, oh, you trained people how to treat you. Oh, you were treated badly? Well, guess what? That's your fault. You trained people. My intention in this podcast is to dispel that myth, to to show you and to prove to you that it's a false lie. It's a lie. And it's a harmful, deeply, deeply harmful lie. Now, I'm well aware that we have organizations, life coaches, hotsy totsy bigwigs saying, oh, you trained people how to treat you. I'm well aware of who's saying that. And be that as it may, my request is, if, if you will listen to this podcast in its completion completely, and you believe I have missed some fact or some significant point that makes me incorrect, please let me know. Because I think this is a body of evidence that is so overwhelmingly uh, compelling that I don't understand how you could arrive at a different conclusion. I don't understand that. So I start want to start by talking about the difference between facts and opinions. I am well aware of how dicey it is to distinguish between facts and opinions. I have a podcast titled Secrets, Lies, and Telling the Truth. And in that podcast, I discuss my view is, is that it can be very dicey to distinguish between a fact and an opinion. So I'm, I'm quite aware. I'm, I am intimately aware that it can be dif difficult to discern the difference between facts and opinions. At the same time, in this podcast, you can go look at PubMed, you can go look at the research, you can look online, and you will find the facts that I'm laying, including in this podcast. Now, it's not all or nothing, but in this case, I am making the assertion that no, you did not train people how to treat you. So I am making that assertion. I am I am fully prepared to back it all up. And, you know, there's, it's possible I could have missed something. I do want to tell you, I did talk to my friend who's a therapist and has been a therapist for decades about this subject uh, several days ago. And her position in it completely validated this topic, my position, and some of the basis of my conclusion. So, but I want to say a couple things about this as we begin. And, and that is that if you listening to this podcast right now, 
if you have some form of irrational thinking or a cognitive distortion, which is extremely common, it's extremely common, then you will not hear what I have to say in the same vein as someone who's rational. The whole premise for irrational thinking or cognitive distortion is that your view of life and your thinking is warped or flawed. So if you have irrational thinking in any form or cognitive distortion, you're not going to arrive at the same conclusion hearing my facts because you have irrational thinking, which by the way, is something that even though it's common, you can get over that. And I would highly recommend that. Now, the other piece for this of this for you is if you grew up in a dysfunctional family with dysfunctional family issues, abuse of any kind, maltreatment of any kind, bullying from your siblings, and you have not faced that, if you have not dealt with that as a human being, this might not be something you can face either. However, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family and you had any type of mistreatment of, of any kind, this podcast could be deeply freeing for you because you've been blamed for things that were not your fault. So, But it could impact how you hear the podcast and it could impact how you, what conclusions you arrive at if you haven't dealt with your own childhood traumas or childhood pain, by the way, which is also normal. People will go to their grave not being able to face the trauma of their childhood or the pain of their childhood. And some people who are able to face it are not able to do so until their late 30s or late 40s, if they even can. So these are things that can impact how you hear this podcast and your thinking and what conclusions you arrive at. So it's normal in my opinion, based on the research, particularly based on M. Scott Peck, MD's work, that it's a, it's a problem that to face a deeply painful childhood, you know, bad parents or a bad parent or bullying or mistreatment by a sibling, it's normal not to be able to face that either ever or until later in life. So I want you to have really hold on to, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with you if you can't face it or you haven't faced it. But these are all things that are going to filter how you hear what I'm saying. And the last piece, not the last piece, but an additional piece that will color how you hear what I'm saying is if you have low self-esteem. Low self-esteem affects approximately 85% of the population, according to all reports, and it colors and flavors how you hear, how you see life. Really, it colors so many things you probably are not uh, privy to that. But these are things that will impact or could impact how you receive what I'm saying. And you're welcome to disagree with me. I'm welcome. I'm, I'm welcoming open you know, civil debate about this, but I don't think in the end there's really much to debate. All right, so things that cause someone to treat you badly. So we're going to start with this as a foundation. And listen, good people treat other people badly from time to time. Good people, I'm talking about good people now. I'm not talking about, you know, 
evil people, bad people, psychopaths, narcissists, sociopaths, you know, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about good, decent human beings will make mistakes from time to time and they will treat someone badly or cruelly or sometimes viciously or vindictively. Like, and so I have a whole list here of behaviors or, or actions or things that happen that will cause a good person, a good, decent person to treat someone else badly. So let's just go right in because I think I have, I have 25 different. These are regular courses of being human. Number one, irrational thinking or cognitive distortion. As I previously mentioned, irrational thinking or cognitive distortions are extremely common in the world, extremely. And someone who has irrational thinking or cognitive distortion has a flawed or warped way of thinking. That's what that means. So that would mean that you might treat somebody badly because you don't have a really accurate view of life. Number two, splitting, then we have scapegoating, projecting, low self-esteem, anger or anger issues, being triggered, jealousy, envy, resentment, lack of self-awareness. If you happen to be the person who's thinking or dreaming big, that can cause people to treat you badly, criticize you, condemn you, or attack you. You could be a safe target for someone, and they make you out to be the villain because they simply cannot face their emotions and the reality of who the real villain is in their life. So they either project or they split or they otherwise treat you badly because they know you are going to come back and just love them and understand. Their own wounds and trauma, their lack of emotional abilities. Now, there are some people who are liars, abusers, sociopaths, narcissists, etc. Those people are bad people. <laughs> They're not good. But they will treat you badly. And they don't have labels, so how would you know? Sometimes someone will treat, some decent human being will treat someone badly because they have regrets, remorse, or guilt, or all three, or some other additional emotions, about their own own behavior, their own behavior, something they did, didn't do, said, didn't say, and they can't face their own behavior. And so you become the fall guy and they may even resent you because you did the things they didn't do. Sometimes people will feel threatened by you, which could simply be because you're successful or you're well-liked, or you're up to something, or your personality, or so many other things. Some people will compare themselves to you, come up short, and then attack you, criticize you, condemn you, or treat you badly because they cannot deal with their own emotions. They could be blaming you for something that they are completely responsible for, and yet cannot admit to it, or cop to it, or face it. Sometimes people will treat others badly because they are in pain. They are in some emotional pain from any number of things, completely unrelated to you, but you are the target and they lash out at you. 
Something else that happens that causes people to treat other people badly is sometimes people will react poorly or treat you badly as a result of your good news. And in those cases, which this is very common, by the way, in those cases, the person who's lashing out, attacking you, criticizing you or judging you or something in response to your good news, it's because at a subconscious or unconscious level, either their low self-esteem was triggered or their inner critic was triggered or some, some other wound or something got triggered. So this is an unconscious response to your good news. It's actually very common. For some people, the only way they can feel good about themselves is by putting other people down. Some people have mental health issues, which is why they treat people badly. Some people are actually engaging in self-sabotagingly, unknowingly, usually it's unknowingly, and treat others badly as a result. Sometimes people are in denial about something. So they might be in denial about something, and because they're in denial, treating you badly is the byproduct. And lastly, you have spoken the truth about something that they cannot face or will not agree to, so they attack you. So there are 25 reasons that people will treat you badly. I'm talking about, except for the narcissists, psychopaths, abusers, con artists, and all that, good, decent people make mistakes all the time. I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't make mistakes on purpose, but I've made plenty of mistakes and I know I will continue to make them. And most of the people in my life know when I make a mistake, I'm going to turn, turn, sort it out, come back, apologize, clean it up. People make mistakes in life. That's part of life. But all of these things that I've listed happen every day. And a lot of it is because people are not aware. So when you make the statement that, oh, you treat people how to, you train people how to treat you. And here they are, you're being blamed for something you didn't do. How is that that you treated them? So these are common. However, we're living in a society where we don't have basic psychology as the rule of law. And people don't even understand they have a subconscious and unconscious mind. If you don't know that you have a subconscious and unconscious mind, how would you know how it impacts your life? Like, that's the power of actually knowing about it. So can you see that none of those things would be your fault? They're not your fault. You didn't create it. You didn't cause it. And you did not train someone to treat you badly. So I'm going to take that list of 25 things and distill it down into the, ten, well, 10 of the most common. It's, there's more than 10, but I only included 10. These are sources of you being treated badly by good people. So again, we've taken out the narcissists, psychopaths, and all those bad people. So number one, good people make mistakes. So making mistakes or getting it wrong is a reason that some people are going to treat someone else badly. Lot, we have a lot of people in society who cannot admit they made a mistake, who cannot apologize or will not apologize, and will never admit to getting something wrong. And those people will have to make you be the bad guy because they can't make a mistake. So good people making mistakes is one source, is one big source. Number two, Splitting you or splitting the situation. Now, splitting is a psychology term. It basically means 
you know, something's all good or all bad. And, and when someone splits you, then they've probably put you in the category of all bad or all good. But if we're talking about bad treatment here, so in splitting in this case, you know, maybe you said something to someone that upsets them because they can't deal with it. So instead of processing their emotions and sorting it out, they instantly split you and now you're all bad. You're all bad. And they may come around, realize, well, they know you're not all bad. And, you know, so this is a very powerful subject and it's very helpful to understand about splitting. But splitting is, is another reason that good people will, from time to time, treat someone badly. Another reason is projecting. Well, projecting is very common. I do it. We all do it. We don't usually know we're doing it or we wouldn't do it. But that's another reason. Getting triggered is another reason. And people get triggered all the time. I mean, it's it's part of the whole wiring of being human is that you, from time to time, might get triggered and not have it be wrong. But you didn't. Like now, if you're intentionally pushing somebody's buttons, that's different. I'm not talking about that. If you're going around doing that, that's not good. That's not nice. Don't do that. But assuming that you're not trying to trigger someone, you're not trying to push someone's buttons, people will get triggered by innocent things, sometimes very innocent things. I've already mentioned irrational thinking or cognitive distortion. My next one is anger. We in the world and we in society are not very good at dealing with anger. There's more passive anger, passive aggressive anger, anger turned inwards, which I understand not everybody agrees that anger can be turned inwards, but it is one point of view, which I happen to believe. But anger can cause people to treat someone else badly because if you don't have anger skills and you're not taking it inward, it might come outward. The green-eyed monster is another common reason, and this is not something, I'm assuming that you're not intentionally trying to make someone else jealous or make someone envy you or resent you in some way. No, don't do that stuff, people, but, but people innocently will become jealous or envious or resent you for things you have no control over. I know as someone who's been happy pretty much my whole life, that's one thing some people cannot stand about me. They cannot stand my cheeriness or my happiness and they will be angry or they will be resentful or they will be jealous or they will be wherever. I'm not causing, I'm not like going around going, oh, I'm going to go be happy so I can make people upset. No, if people get upset, that's their reaction. So there are times where people will be filled with the green-eyed monster, whether it's anger, I mean, whether it's resent, they're resentful, jealous, or envious, that you don't have any skin in the game for causing. But it is a reason people will treat you badly. I already mentioned low self-esteem. Most people with low self-esteem do not understand the full dynamic and the full impact of how it colors and flavors their life, their perceptions, their reactions. But it is one reason that sometimes people will treat you badly. Not like it's on, t on purpose, not like intentional. By the way, these are not like malicious. These, these are not malicious actions. The next one is lack of emotional regulation or emotional abilities. This is also very common. When someone has a lack or they have little or no 
emotional abilities and they get charged up because they're in a particular situation, sometimes someone else is the fall guy or the scapegoat for their upset because they don't have the skills to deal with their own upset. That's, sorry, very common. And next is lack of self-awareness. We have more of the population that has low emotional intelligence. And self-awareness is a big, it's the foundation for emotional intelligence. If you lack self-awareness, you're not really completely aware of yourself. You're not completely aware of your, the impact of your actions. There are so many pieces if someone lacks self-awareness that could result in treating someone badly. So there's 10 very common things that cause you to be treated badly, which you don't have skin in the game for. You just, you didn't cause that. You, well, hopefully you didn't cause any of it, but these are examples where this goes on every single day, all the time, at work, at home, in the neighborhood, with the neighbors, with the family, with the, you know, with whomever, and you didn't cause it. This is, you are not the reason you were treated badly or poorly. So I want to recap before we move on. So I've covered 25 reasons why you might be treated badly or poorly that have nothing to do with you. Like you did not train someone to do that to you. And I've distilled down 10 of the more common or most common traits or elements that cause you to be treated badly. Again, we know these things in psychology. This is based in psychology, in de decades and decades of psychology, not some new psychology. We, we don't adopt new psychology here at the Love Life Podcast until it's been, it's decades old, like probably 40 decades or four, 40 years. So this is the foundation though. All of these things you did not, you may be treated very badly, but you didn't cause it and you didn't create it, and you did not train someone. So now we're going to move into children, and where do children learn about life? Well, we clearly know that children learn about life growing up in their family home. What kind of instruction, what kind of training do children get after they leave the family home? Well, that depends. If they go into the military, they get some kind of military training. If they go to college, they might get some kind of college or you know, if they go if they go do something, they might get some additional training or education. However, much of what children learn after after they leave the home isn't emotional growth, isn't emotional intelligence, isn't assertiveness, isn't the things that would be helpful. So by and large, I'm asserting and arguing that most of what children learn, they learn in the home before they graduate from high school, before they leave the home. They learn it. They learn how to do life. They learn, or maybe they might, some of them learn how not to do life, but they learn it at home. Some, some well, you know, I will grant you they learn some things at school without question, but the majority, I'm saying the majority of what a child learns, they're learning when they're growing up and they're learning it in the family home. So 
what is going on in the family home. Now, you might not agree that most kids learn the majority of what they learned growing up in the family home. Well, we can, we can debate that. However, I feel that's a pretty reasonable statement. Pretty reasonable. I don't know how many schools are teaching emotional intelligence, assertiveness, and all types of things that I talk about in my podcast. Hopefully there are a few and hopefully that will grow. But by and large, my position and my statement is the majority of what a young person, a child learns before they graduate from high school and leave the family home, they are learning in the family home. So what is, so that's fact number one, children primarily learn about life and how life is done, how to do life in the family home by and large, by an overwhelming percentage. So what is happening in the family home? Well, in America, we know that 70 to 96% of American families fall into the dysfunctional category. So what does dysfunctional mean? Dysfunctional means something is off. Dysfunctional means something is not working. In the dictionary, the word dysfunctional is defined as functioning incorrectly or abnormally, failing to serve an adjustive purpose, impaired in function. So a dysfunctional family, given the 70 to 96% of American families, means that the family is not operating correctly. The family is operating abnormally. The family is operating incorrectly. And this is where children are learning. Children are learning how to do life or not do life and all types of things in dysfunctional families. So there's there's a really great body of research that talks about what are the common dysfunctions? There are many, 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 many dysfunctions in families, but I'm going to just list off quickly the top 10 or, or 10 of the top ones so you get the flavor. So love and affection is absent, one, meaning one parent might have a mental health issue. Addictions in one or both parents, which could be drugs or alcohol. Domestic abuse, domestic violence, and I will say 25% of women in America are victims of domestic violence from an intimate partner, and 11% of men, many of which are children, are in the homes. Up to 80% of children are either maltreated or bullied by a sibling in their own family home. Economic hardship poverty, homelessness, and other financial issues, including food insufficiency, play a role. Parents playing favorites, parents who are jealous, envious, or resent their own children. Sexual abuse by either parent, a relative, or a family friend. In America, one out of three girls and one out of five boys, meaning 33% and 20%, of children will be sexually abused by the time they reach 18 years of age. Well, I hope you're not thinking that these little children train someone to sexually abuse them. I I certainly hope you're not thinking that. The next piece is is to drill down on some of these pieces of the most common dysfunctions and to see the impact. So 
Up to 80% of children are mistreated or bullied by a sibling. Yes, that is in the research. You can look it up. There's a piece from uh, the uh, Journal of Counseling and Development titled Sibling Maltreatment, the Forgotten Abuse, and you can look that up online, that 80 per, up to 80% of children are maltreated or abused by a sibling. Now, I did have a conversation with my friend who's a therapist, and she was a little hesitant, hesitant about that percentage, so I went back, back into PubMed Central and looked and found, oh, yeah, well, we can find people's research that says it's higher than 80%, so I'm going with the lower percentage. The next piece is that the, the piece I mentioned about sexual abuse, 20% of boys and 33% of girls will be sexually abused by the time they reach 18. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of the one in 15 will be eyewitnesses to violence. I hope, again, you're not thinking that these children put themselves in a position to see that and to, to, to be party to that. If you are not aware of the CDC and Kaiser Permanente research from 1995 to 1997, they conducted landmark research, which is known as the Adverse Childhood Experience experiences. This is a test that they created out of the research that looks at the, the things I talked about earlier, the dysfunction in a childhood environment, in a family environment that impact children. And it covers three broad categories. The first one is childhood abuse. That includes, by the way, emotional abuse, physical abuse, and sexual abuse. Neglect, and that includes physical and emotional neglect. And household challenges is the third category. And that includes growing up with, in a household where there was some type of substance abuse, mental Ill illness, violent treatment of a mother or stepmother, parental separation or parental divorce, or someone in the household who is in prison. Now, according to the CDC, ACE scores, the Adverse Childhood Experiences, the test result, ACE, like the majority of people have had some type of adverse childhood experience. According to the CDC, 61% of adults across 25 states reported that they had experienced at least one type of ACE, the Childhood Adverse adverse childhood experiences before 18, and nearly one in six reported they had experienced four or more. So these are children who've had adverse childhood experiences that they did not sign up for, that leave them wounded and deeply sometimes traumatized, and some of them are definitely trauma. And so, the, and what we know from the research is how this is going to impact, how your ACE score impacts your, the possibility and the likelihood of you having addictions and health problems and other challenges later in life. So what are, so those are some statistics. You, if you're not familiar with the childhood, adverse childhood experiences test 
and the research, that's a piece you want to take a bite out of because it's, it's very tragic. It's very compelling. These are things we're not talking about. I mean, the Kaiser Permanente CDC study was done in 1995. And here we are in 2023 and the terminology adverse childhood experiences and the test is not everyday language. How did that happen? Because we're walking around telling people, oh, well, you trained people how to treat you. Mm, yeah, okay. So what are children learning at home before they turn 18? Well, they are learning how to survive. They are learning that they are not important. They are not good enough. They do not matter. They are not deserving. They are not worthy. They develop strategies to get through life. Their feelings are invalidated. They are not taught assertiveness. And in many, many cases, they are deprived of love and affection. They are not learning hoping, healthy coping mechanisms. They are not learning how to deal with life issues and problems in a healthy way. They're not learning communication skills, how to manage and process and regulate their own emotions. They are not learning self-care and self-compassion. They are not learning how to be really functional in life. I can go on. I, I have a whole list here. So what are they learning? They're learning how to be wounded. They're learning how to survive. They're, they're just growing up, some of them, to be people pleasers, hoping and praying for some love and affection. Some of them are going to grow up to be overachievers, hoping one day that they'll be enough. One day their achievements will mean that they are loved or valued or recognized. And a certain percentage of them are going to grow up be very unhealthy, tragically unhealthy, and struggle with addictions and serious life problems as a result of how they were treated growing up. And, and sadly, some children are going to grow up and they are going to find that life is unbearable because their young life has already been unbearable and they will commit suicide because they don't feel they matter or they feel that the world would be better off without them. And quite frankly, there are parents who say to their children, I wish you were never born. I wish I had never had you. My life was better before you were born. I, this, these are statements that parents make, sadly. And we wonder, yet we wonder why so many young people are killing themselves. If you really wrap your mind around the adverse childhood experiences, research, the results, and the test, this all begins to make sense. But what doesn't make sense is telling people, you train people how to treat you. All right, so my next piece is about abusers, narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths, carnivores and con artists in adult life. What I have to say about that is, first of all, these people are walking around among us like wolves in sheep's clothing. They're not labeled, hey, I'm a narcissist. They don't have the scarlet letter A to say they're a con artist. They do not have any type of label or warning. And many of the people who've been abused by an abuser or a psychopath or a sociopath or, or what have you, 
they know these people are dangerous. They are extremely dangerous and they're going to be quiet about it because they've already had some experience with danger. So how is it when you have an individual that's unlabeled and you don't know they're a psychopath and you don't know they're a sociopath or a narcissist or an abuser, how are you supposed to know? Because what we know from all of the crime shows, by the way, is that people can be very, very good at hiding their true selves. But all the detectives usually say that. Now, we don't blame Bernie Madoff's victims for investing their money with him. He was a con artist, a, a fraud, for sure. And he did defraud 37,000 people over 40 years out of $65 billion. We don't blame them and say, well, it's your fault. It's your fault you invested your money with a licensed firm, with a licensed person approved by the SEC. Like, we don't say that to those people. That would be horrible. But we say, oh, you train people how to treat you. If you had someone who was labeled as a psychopath, and, and you still chose to get involved with them knowing full on, full on, 100% knowledge they were psychopath, you might have, you might have some, you might be able to, I might, I might buy off on that. But these people, the abusers, the narcissists, the psychopaths, the sociopaths, the con artists are very good at hiding their true selves. So I don't believe it's reasonable or fair in any way to say, oh, you trained a psychopath how to treat you. No. So I want to kind of group all together, group together some of these facts so that I can reason it out, give you some deduction here. So number one, fact number one is children primarily learn about life, how life is done, how to do life, and so forth in the family home by an overwhelming percentage, with a few exceptions. So, number one, children primarily learn their life skills and how to do life or not to do life when they are growing up in the family home. Fact number two, we know from the research that somewhere between 70 to possibly 96% of American families fall into the dysfunctional category, meaning that it's not functioning normally. It's functioning abnormally. Fact number three, we know from the research that up to 80%, that's up to 80% of children are either mistreated or bullied by a sibling in the family home. Fact number four, 20% of boys and 33% of girls will be sexually abused before they reach the age of 18. Fact number five, one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and up to 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. Fact number six, according to the CDC website, adverse childhood experiences are common, and it is common to have highly problematic adverse experiences in childhood. It's common to have an adverse childhood experience when you're growing up. Fact number seven, 85% of the population by all reports has low self-esteem, which reasonably would mean reasonably that 85% of parents raising children have low self-esteem. 
and therefore it's predictable they're not raising children who feel worthy and deserving because they themselves do not feel worthy and deserving. Fact number eight, no child that I'm aware of has ever agreed to being treated poorly, bullied, mistreated, or abused. And I would further argue they don't have the capacity to agree to that. They just don't have the capacity. And fact number nine, in society overall and in general, we are not teaching children the following skills. Emotional intelligence, including emo uh, emotional regulation and self-awareness, assertiveness, healthy boundaries, communication skills, problem-solving skills for dealing with life problems and issues, and healthy coping mechanisms. Those are critical skills and abilities to be human and live life. So I'm going to take those facts and I'm going to share with you my reasoning that it is false to say you train people how you treat you. Number one, you are blaming a person for not having skills that they were not taught in childhood. You are blaming people, many people, in many cases, who haven't come to terms with their own childhood abuse. And you are blaming people who are being wounded and damaged from their childhood by saying it's their fault. When you say you train people how to treat you, I don't ever, I've never heard the exception going, well, unless you were a child, in which case that doesn't apply. Nobody's saying that. There's no, you know, addendum. You train people how to treat you is how it's said, it's how it's listed, it's how it's presented with no addendum, oh, unless you were a child. There's no addendum to that, the way it's presented out in public. And the other pieces here to reason this out is I covered all of these basic psychology reactions and behaviors and traits that cause someone to treat you badly that you have no skin in the game for, that you didn't cause, you didn't provoke, and, and then, of course, we'll pile, pile on with, you know, many times you didn't know that your family was dysfunctional or that you had an, a, an impaired childhood because how would you know that? If we were openly, as a society, talking about bullying and mistreatment by siblings, dysfunctional parents, dysfunctional families, and what that means, then people would have a chance. They would have a chance to go, oh, wow. You know what? I didn't get love and affection when I was growing up, and it never even occurred to me that it was missing. Like we don't, you don't even, these people don't even have a chance. They have no chance. And then you just pile on like it's all your fault. It's you, you train people how to treat you. That statement is all blame. It's all blame and it harms people, and it hurts people, and I cannot, given psychology, and I'm not, you know, we know I'm not a therapist, but these are, this, this is all in PubMed. This is decades old. This, there's nothing new about the facts or the information I'm presenting. It may be new to you, but 
help me understand how could you possibly arrive at the conclusion with the general statement, which is made all the time, you train people how to treat you. No, 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 that's not true. So why is it that we're not talking about this? Why is it that, you know, we can have research that talks about dysfunctional families, and that's not new research. We can have the child adverse childhood experiences testing. That's not new either. I don't consider something from 1995 brand spanking new. That's the same time that emotional intelligence came to the forefront, thanks to Daniel Goleman. So why is it that we're not talking about that? Well, there's this family, this whole dynamic, this whole piece I'm talking about, why are we not publicly talking about this? Well, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of embarrassment. There's emotional pain that's not distinguished. There's lack of awareness. I mean, some people don't even recognize until they're old people that they had a crappy family life because everybody's trying to pretend that they had this wonderful family life. You know, and there's a lot of sack self-awareness there's a whole whole big pile of reasons why we're not talking about this and and many times it's just too painful for people to face so i cannot understand this blaming this it's in it's disingenuous to say that you train people how to treat you you're a good and decent person and you're not mean and you're not vindictive I mean listen good and decent people will get triggered and can be mean and can be cruel and can be vindictive I mean that's part of like the whole psychological process when I was talking about those 25 different examples of instances where someone will a decent person will treat you badly listen like how many people understand that they have a subconscious and unconscious mind, let alone how it functions and what it work, how it works? No, not, not many. So it is my position based on all of that, that it is false, a lie, and disingenuous to say to people, you train people how to treat you. And if you disagree... I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what kind of science, what kind of facts, how you are coming to that conclusion. I would I would literally love to hear that. I really would because I cannot I cannot wrap my head around it. I cannot looking at all the research and by the way, I could have really gone off the deep end on the adverse childhood experiences because that is so fascinating and it's so tragic and it's very but it's 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 what we know. So I have some, you know, Additional suggestions like I always do. Uh, but I hope you've arrived at that same conclusion. And if you haven't, oh my gosh, please. You've got to show me your rational thinking. You've got to show me your facts. You've got to show me how you arrived at some other conclusion. Because that's not believable to me. All right, so let me just say this. You know, if you are not being treated well, or if you've not been treated well, I want you to understand that it's likely, very likely, to extremely likely, not your fault. I mean, I have been treated badly by different people my entire life, my entire life. Now, we know from many of my podcasts some of the reasons for that. I'm a big thinker and a big dreamer, and the minute you do that, people are going to go after you. You know, I'm well-liked. Well, if you're well-liked, people are going to go after you. Like, if you're happy, people are going to go after you. People will go after you when you've done nothing wrong 
and you've done nothing bad and there's nothing wrong or bad about you. Yes, people will treat you badly because of that. Of course, it would have been helpful if I knew that at a younger age, but I finally figured it out. So I want you to understand because of all the things I've covered about dysfunctional families and sibling mistreatment and bullying and the adverse childhood experiences, you know, you weren't properly, in my opinion, prepared for life. If you're being treated badly, it's extremely likely that it's not your fault. My second suggestion is that you put yourself on the path to grow and develop like crazy because that's what will make life easier. That's what will make life better. I mean, life is always going to be hard, people. In my, in my opinion, you know, because there are parts of life that are hard. At the same time, when you have lots of skills and abilities, you can like plow through major traumas like a champion. <laughs> I know. And my next suggestion is that while you're on this path to grow your life, grow yourself, grow your skills, I would suggest that you make growing emotional intelligence be one of your predominant goals. Learn self-care, learn compassion, learn assertiveness. Oh, by the way, almost all of these suggestions I have a podcast on. Make sure that you have good boundaries. Learning a little bit about psychology is extremely helpful. I would say wildly helpful. Forgiveness is for you and can be very healing and very significant. My next suggestion is that you use post-traumatic growth as a springboard to causing your life to go better, to make your life happier and, and more healthy in every way. And I have a podcast that's titled Using Emotional Pain to Your Advantage, which is really the subject of post-traumatic growth. My next suggestion is you take people with you. Take people with you and say, look, we did not we did not train people to treat us badly and we're going to grow and develop and we are going to like have a fun time. We're going to have a reward system. We are going to think big and dream big. And my other piece for this is that it's probably likely that you should be angry or upset about your childhood, in particular if you had... Uh, an A score, an, a ch an adverse childhood experiences score from the test. And the tests are all online. They're free. You can take them. You can read all about it. And I hope you will. And so it's reasonable you might be angry. And then there's healing. You can Anger can be very healing. And you want to deal with your anger. You want to deal with all of your emotions. My next suggestion is that you create your life. Really start creating your life. Make it amazing. Make it delicious. Make it fabulous. Make your life magical. So I have podcasts on almost all of those topics, all of those suggestions. And here's my last piece for you. If you disagree with my statement that you, oh no, you did not train people how to treat you, I'm requesting that you let me know why. Let me understand how could you possibly arrive at a different conclusion because I'm interested. I'm very interested. I'm profoundly and deeply interested because I'm interested in helping people and I am interested in telling the truth and I'm interested in being factual and I am committed 
to delivering amazing content that's valid. So if you have some facts or you have some other form of reasoning, please let me know because I believe I have laid out in enough detail. I mean, I do try to keep my podcast to under an hour, so I've been watching the time that you did not train people how to treat you. And even if you're 27 or you're 47 or you're 67, there are occasions where people will treat you badly because of their own stuff they're dealing with unrelated to you. And and I want you to have compassion for that, compassion for yourself and compassion for other people. So if you believe I got it wrong in this podcast, I'm asking you, I'm requesting that you get in touch with me and tell me how I missed the mark. So that's my firm request. I would make it as a demand, but I'm not that demanding. So here's your takeaways. It's time to stop telling people that you trained people how to treat you. Number two, it's time to start telling the truth about dysfunctional families, A scores, maltreatment and bullying by siblings, and the impact on adult life and adult health. And number three, it's time to start learning and growing so that you can have this rich, fun, amazing life. Like you can deal with whatever happened to you. I mean, listen, I've had all the problems and all the trauma that you could have in life, and I've had the most amazing, fun, beautiful life that I could possibly imagine. I do request as my call to action that you share this podcast with other people because people are hurt, people are wounded, people have been damaged, and to pile on, then they're being told that it's their fault. It's their fault that people treat them badly, and that's not true. All right, that's it for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 107, Oh No, You Did Not Train People How to Treat You. If I haven't made my case perfectly clear or you think I missed something, please get in touch with me. Because otherwise, I think it's pretty clear that you did not train people how to treat you. Please subscribe to my podcast so you get the new ones automatically. And my request is that you share the heck out of this podcast so we can start getting people on the same page that it's not their fault. Hang in there for now. I love you. Take care.